I'm starting a new series called Give Me Faith. And this, this series is, has been in my heart for several weeks, and, and I'm excited that today I'm being, going to be able to get it going. You see, there are a lot of deficiencies in our world. They're all over the place. There's, there's hopelessness. There's discouragement. There's fear. There's despair. And, and what happens in our lives a lot of times is these, these things just seem to be taking over. They take over us and overwhelm us, and really that's what the series is all about. And, and the, the, the question is, who can I have faith in anymore? I mean, can I even really have faith in anyone or in anything anymore? Now, before I can get into that, though, I, I think it's important that I say that we are a church and that we're built upon what I call strong foundations that I believe are, are worthwhile. These are fundamental Bible foundations that are huge for us. And, and I, in some ways, you could say that they're kind of old-school, time-tested principles. And you know, a lot of people see us like, you're, you're a church that has kind of a cool downtown vibe. You know, you're current, you're edgy, a little bit downtown-ish. And, but I want to tell you something. That's a style. That's like putting on clothes. That's like putting on makeup or something like that. Because that's just the style. It's the content that really matters. And guys, you understand when I say this, it's like it's the girl behind the makeup that really, really matters. And, and honestly, that's what we believe in here at City Life. And City Life, we have some foundations which help us to, to get ourselves established, which makes us solid, I believe. And one of those foundations is that we're a, we're a church that's Bible-based. We, we believe that that's the best foundation around. We don't pick and choose. We don't just like, well, let's see what we're going to be today. You know, we, we don't do that. We go to the best-selling, most popular, most read, mo, uh, most, uh, most important book in the history of all mankind, and that's the Bible. So we're a Bible-based church. And we are also under another foundation, which is really important to us, and that's Jesus. We're a church that's Jesus-focused. We look to Jesus. We see Jesus as the author of our faith itself. He was, and he is, and he is to come. I mean, Jesus is this, this image of the Father. Whenever we look at him, we see the Father. And when we do what he says to do, the Bible says that we actually have faith. He is the image of the invisible God. So we're a Jesus-focused church, Bible-based, Jesus-focused. And our mission is this. It's about simply making Jesus known. It's pretty simple. We live like Jesus. We try to do the things that Jesus did. We want to point people to Jesus because Jesus is the leader of the church. And so City Life is all about making Jesus known. So you understand the foundations that we're a part of here. This is really important. These are the basics. And, and if we're going to rediscover faith, if we're, if we're going to, to discover faith even for the first time, we really have to start here. Now, I want to take you to a passage of scripture today. It's going to get us launched, and it's in Daniel chapter number 3. Daniel is in the Old Testament, and if you have that, I'd love for you to follow along with me. If you have a version Bible app, you can even go and type in our zip code or, or use the GPS feature and find our message online notes on there, and you can follow along easily. But, but in Daniel chapter 3, you're, you're going to find, some really you're find a really, really interesting story. Actually, one of my favorite stories of all time. Uh, it has to do with fears. It has to do with the things that just kind of irritate you. And those are the things that we're facing today. I mean, there are cultural phenomena. There are, 
there's, there's the Christian genocide that's going on in Iraq. There are threats on the nation. There's financial instability. There's political upheaval. And when you begin looking at all of that stuff, even in the world, you think, this is overwhelming. This is huge. And, and, and in order to get through this, we need something. And I call it faith in the fire. And faith in the fire is the name of today's message. Now, faith in the fire means that when the fire's on, you're going to keep having faith. When I first started in ministry work, I was 22 years old when I first started actually full-time in ministry work. I was 22 years old, and I found myself as a children's pastor in this huge church. And, and uh, what I had to do is I had to learn to make the Bible simple, to simply break it down, make it applicable so the boys and girls, so the children could understand and anyone can get that, and, 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 and that's my desire, and I still practice that. So, so it's not that any of you guys lack intelligence or anything. So if you're a Ph.D. or a first-time guest or if you're a child or if you're a teenager, you should be able to take what I'm sharing and be able to apply it to your life and understand it. So I want to break it down here. This story that I'm about to tell you is started in this city called Babylon. Now, Babylon is an ancient city. In fact, there are the ruins of Babylon, which continue to be sifted through. It's an amazing place. But, but Baghdad, it's about 55 miles south of Baghdad in modern-day Iraq. And this was kind of the world headquarters at the time. And there was this, there were the ruling kingdom of the Middle East, which was essentially the world at that time. And, and uh, there was this king. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar, he expanded his kingdom by, by force, by threats, and by, by military action. He took land, and he also built these monuments to himself, many of which are still being uncovered. It's like this man was amazing. He loved himself an awful lot. He put lots of pictures of himself around, and, and that's just the way he did it. He says, I want everybody to know who I am. And God even told uh, Nebuchadnezzar during this time that, hey, you got to understand, no kingdom can be built on a man, and any kingdom built on man will not survive because there's only one kingdom that's going to endure for all times, and that's God's kingdom. And really, that's still true today, whether, you, whether it's a conservative or liberal or, or left or right kingdom. It, it doesn't matter. No kingdom will last long term. But regardless, in spite of what God told him, he built this 90-foot high statue. It was a statue in honor of himself, just to simply honor himself. Kind of pretty arrogant there. And this made him feel good. He liked it. And so what he did is he created this law. And the law was this, is that, that they would play this music, and it obviously it had a certain flair to it or a certain kind of music. And whenever this music would play, that everyone in the kingdom who could hear the music, which would be the people all around the uh, Baghdad or, or, excuse me, uh, around the city of Babylon at that time, they would have to bow down to his image. And it became a law. So at this time, one of the challenges is many of God's people lived there in the land. They were, they'd been taken captive and they were living there and they were under this crazy, uh, demented leader who was just thirsty and hungry for power. But they still had to subject themselves to the laws of the land. And this was a new law. This was a law that was in direct opposition to the law of God. And so, so what happens is, is that they were threatened with their lives if they didn't bow down and if they didn't worship the image of this king. And, and so whenever the music played, they had to do this. Now, this is where real faith comes in. 
See, real faith is this. Real faith is not dependent upon the direction of culture or what's going on in the world or the latest current crisis. It's not dependent upon politics. Faith is not dependent upon what happens with your company or your school district or the economy or seismic activity or the police department. It's not dependent upon genocide, the bubonic plague, Al-Qaeda, or even ISIL or ISIS or whatever you want to call it, or Russia or Putin. It really doesn't. It's not dependent upon any of that. See, there were these three guys, these three Hebrew young men and they were doing this forced internship. These men were sharp. They were eloquent. They were involved in the leadership system of the day. And they were approximately 20 to 25 years of age. And, and, and they were in, they, they hung out around the capital and around Nebuchadnezzar, so he would have known of them. In fact, he even inspected them regularly. But they didn't bow to the image. And they knew what they were doing was wrong against the law. And see, this reflected then poorly upon the king because, hey, they were a part of the king's team. And when you're a part of the king's team and you're not doing what the king says, it's not just breaking the law. You're, this is bad news for the kingdom. And some of the king's officials ratted on them. And so we picked this up in Daniel chapter number 3, verse 13, what actually happened. It says, Daniel three thirteen, furious with rage, And please understand, Daniel, the guy who's writing this, is another one of the leaders that was dear friends with these with these young men. Uh, So it's it's not it's apparent he's not present because he probably would have been doing the same thing with these guys. But but he's the one who authors this this story. It says, "Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego." These men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, "Is it true?" Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? And he didn't even wait for an answer. He's just a typical king. Yeah, he asked the question, he's just going to keep talking. He said, now, when you hear the sound of the flute, the horn, the flute, the zither. I really don't know what a zither is, but it was one of those really interesting instruments from the old days. A lyre, harp, and pipe, and all kinds of music. If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. He's giving him a second chance. It's pretty good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. (laughs) Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. A blazing furnace. Any of you been around heat and fire? Uh, yesterday afternoon was crazy. Uh, the, 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 there was just a crazy storm that came through. Uh, if you I mean, if you were around here in Fort Worth, you definitely experienced it. And, and we had a work day, and I saw I was outside working, and yeah, you know, we haven't had clouds in weeks. And I'll just look out, my like, clouds. Oh, okay, clouds. We know what that means. You know, that means. When clouds come in quick, something's, something's there. So, so you know, pull up on the radar and like, okay, it looks like a storm's coming in, wrapped everything up. And, and I'm, I'm leaving here and I get home right in the middle of the storm blasting and everything. And, and I don't even want to get out of my car because it's just like lightning all around and the range is pouring. And so I, I know, I mean, I live in this. I, so I'm just, I, I can sit here in the car and do something here for, for just a few minutes until I feel good enough to get outside, walk around and become a lightning rod and walk in the house. So, so I'm sitting there in the car, 
And then, I mean, I'm sitting there and I see this double white bolt. I mean, it's, it's like double, like dual action bolt come out of the sky and go. I mean, it is stinking in my neighborhood. It is just right around the corner. I see this. Everything's bright. I mean, my eyes flash for a second and, and bam, boom, bang. And, and, and I'm like, wow, okay, I'm sure I'm glad I'm st- sitting here in the car. And, and, uh, and, and then, the, you know, the storm calmed down. I went on in the house and kind of forgot about it. And, and just a few minutes later, Rebecca called. She says, Tim, I'm driving into the neighborhood. She says, there's a, there's a house that's like burned up. Lightning hit this house. And, 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 and Ian was there and Ian started there. They took pictures of it. This is in our neighborhood. And, and a house was just, it was hit by that lightning bolt and just totally destroyed. And, and she said, she was out there. While she was out there, she said, she says, hey, and I, I see some, there's some you know, people from our church that are actually standing around out here. It's Luis and Pebbles and, 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 and their, their little girl, Heaven. And she's this adorable little girl. And, and she said, we stopped and chatted. And, and, and they were there too. She goes, so she's calling. She goes, hey, I've invited them over to the house. So they're coming over in a minute. So they're out there watching the fire and the craziness and everything. And then they come to the house. And, 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 and the, the cute thing is, is the little girl, little Pebbles, she, she's, she's what, three years old, Luis? Four, okay, yeah, she, she's, uh, she's real smart. She, she, gets, she gets her mom's phone. She goes, I want to show you the videos of all this. And so she starts showing me the videos of everything that was happening on the house fire because she was there. And, and she was saying it was really, really hot. And, and, uh, and it, was, it was pretty intense. And she was telling me all of this. And, and, and then she shows me this video that her mom had taken of her and Luis. And Luis was carrying her, like kind of walking toward the fire. I mean, they were still a long ways off. And Luis said, man, it was hot. You could feel, you get out of the car and you feel the heat of this thing. And we were walking toward it and she said, it was hot and I got scared I was going to get burned. And so she was, you could see her in her daddy's arms and she's going, no, 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 no. She was afraid of getting burned. And, and, and I just think of that. They're, they're, they're half a block away from the inferno, yet they still feel the heat of it all. And it's, it, that right there is tragic. That's yeah, tragic for our, our neighbor. It's tragic for, for a family. And on the other hand, can you imagine being threatened with throwing, being thrown into an intentional fire, a blazing furnace, as it was called? We're not talking about walking up next to a house fire. And I'm talking about a sauna. I'm, not, I'm talking about a furnace. This is a crematorium that they had prepared. And these guys were threatened with their lives as when the music plays, if you do not worship this image, you will be thrown into a blazing crematorium, crematorium furnace. It's basically this. Cue the music, everything stops. Everything changes when the music happens and your posture, you change your posture into doing something that you know is ridiculous and was previously considered unthinkable. And all of a sudden you're doing this when the music happens and you, everything changes. It's interesting that music was tied into that. And I say there's still really probably a lot of music that plays in a sense that beckons us to bow down to idols in our own lives. I want to talk about that for just a second. So first of all, all, what's your favorite musical style? I want you you to think your favorite and your least favorite musical style. Think of it. Your favorite style, 
your least favorite. And, and here's what I'm going to do. I mean, just think about it. What's the music that makes you bob your head? Just, you know, all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm happy about this music. Well, what's the music that makes you, when someone turns it on in the car, you just want to jump out and you, you, you will jump out on the road and you don't care how bad you feel hitting the pavement. You just don't want to hear that music. So, so think about those two kinds of music here for a second. And here's what I'm going to do. I want you to tell a person next to you, and if you have a couple people next to you, let me give you 10 seconds to do it. Tell a person next to you what your favorite kind of music is. You have 10 seconds to tell the favorite kind of music. Go, go. Favorite kind of music. Come on, tell, tell the people around you. Tell them right now. Everybody's got to talk. Favorite music. Five more seconds. Your favorite music. Each person. All right, all right, all right. Now I want you to stop and I want you to tell the person your, fav- your least favorite style of music. Le- it's okay. Don't be ashamed of it. We all have our least favorite style. Come on. Tell people, I, see, I, I cannot stand this style of music. Okay? All right, all right, all right. Now, now we've, we have some, some of you probably have artists or, or, you know, genres of music or styles. But, but, but how many of you would say, like, your favorite style falls into a classic rock style? Come on, be, be honest. My hand is up. All right. See, some good classic rockers amongst us. Yeah. Okay, how many of you are, like, top 40? Yeah, top 40 kind of music. That, that is your genre. Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, we have some top 40. You're CB Bold. That's it, that's it. Good, good. That is good. Okay, country music. You love country music. Yeehaw, you love your country music. That is good because you are good Texans. I'm a good Texan, but... I, yeah, I will tell you, I, that, that, that's it. I, mean, I, I can only listen to a little bit of it. And I thought, no, that doesn't work in my brain. It depresses me. I don't know what it is. It just doesn't work. If you love country music, God bless you. He, he needs to. All right, like maybe hip-hop kind of music. How many of you, how many say, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a style I like. Good, good, good. How many of you would say well, maybe gospel music is your favorite? That's your, that's your favorite style? Okay, no gospel music fans in the house. <laughs> See, thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, you all are the best. God help us all. Okay. Like, like, hey, for me, if I were to to reduce it down to a category that's just most meaningful to me, I would say 80s rock. Oh, man. 80s rock. I, I, I have, I... I have created my own playlist on Spotify, and I keep it clean and even alphabetized of my 80s rock music. It is so wonderful. I love to put it on shuffle, and it makes me so happy. It makes me very happy. In fact, yeah, but music is powerful like that. Music is. It can bring these, it's interesting because it can bring these feelings and these thoughts and these emotions back up that you've forgotten. Sometimes you'll hear a song or even have someone sing the first line of a song or even say the name of a song, and it takes you back in time. Have you noticed that? See, what music does, it's strange, but it opens up a part of your memory. It can be like a time machine in a sense. and It's almost like you travel back in time to this place and to a situation and to a relationship and you feel the happiness or you feel the sadness or you feel the pain or you feel whatever that was associated with that time in the music. It's amazing how it actually works. Music is kind of like this little search bar on your computer. It, it, you, you type something in, and all of a sudden it pulls up all the stuff that you forgot even existed. You ever had that happen? 
It's mysterious, really. It's mysterious how it works, and I don't fully understand it, but it is powerful. And I, I would say music is more powerful than we give it credit to. It really it is. It is very powerful. That's one of the reasons why I love doing music in church, because these songs get into our hearts and our minds, and they can be resurrected out of nowhere, seemingly at the right time. That song comes back to you, give me faith. But I, I think it's interesting, though, that the king used music, he insisted on this being music being the catalyst for the idol worship. Now, for the purpose of this message and what I'm trying to convey today, I am going to equate music with temptation metaphorically. I'm not saying that music or any style of music is evil or bad, or that's not what I'm talking about, but I'm going to use it as a metaphor for temptation because it does work the same. It does. It's very similar to the way it works because temptation moves you out of reality. It can cause your emotions to change and transform radically. You seemingly drift away into this other world, and, and it can take you places mentally and emotionally that you never really dreamed or even said you wouldn't go. And this music, so to speak, this temptation causes you then to bow down to an idol, which is the equivalent of some type of thing that you just keep going back to. And what is an idol? Well, an idol is whatever looms larger in your life than God. So the music, so to speak, in your life, whatever lures you into bowing down to whatever idol may exist in your life is the issue here. I'm talking about the temptations that you guys face. So what's your music? What's your temptation? And then what idol does it lure you into bowing down to? It's likely that the idol that you are lured into bowing down to is not made of gold. It's probably not some physical structure. But when the music plays, you bow down to that idol without even thinking about it. I want you to think about it for a second. I want you to think about this intelligently. What is that idol? Sex may be one of them. It could be a sex drive that causes you to act out sexually in a way that's dishonoring to God in your thoughts and in your actions. And when this music, this temptation plays, you move into this of bowing down to this idol and you're filled with shame and dishonor. What's your temptation? What's your idol? It may be acceptance. That might be your idol, and and acceptance steals your faith so that you will just simply do anything you can to be accepted. You will even do the unthinkable when the music plays, and you lose all control. Another one could be success. We all want success, but you cut corners, and then you deceive, and you push others down, and the music plays, and it becomes all about you. Maybe it's accumulating. You just want more and more and you can't stop and, and you can only take and you won't give away and, and you, you begin to do things that you really can't imagine that you ever would do, but the music is playing, the temptation is there and you're bowing down to this idol religiously. Today I want to talk about overcoming that music and what will help you to overcome that music, that temptation is faith in the middle of the fire. Faith that will not bow and faith that will not burn. That's what I'm calling all of us to. 
And it could be this situation, and here's even how you may live it out in your life where you're, you're talking to God. It's like, God, I'm sorry that I've, I've bowed my knee to a God that cannot save. I'm sorry, God, that I've bowed my knee to a God that cannot heal and that cannot rescue me and that will ultimately destroy me. God, I'm sorry for this. And that's, that's the faith that I'm asking us to have. That's the faith that these Hebrew young men had. And we hear them in the story. In verse 16, it says this. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, listen to this. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If... We are thrown, and I just, you know what, I've just got to, got to go back to that. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this. You know what? You don't need to defend your faith to anyone because all of a sudden now you are on the defensive. How many of you understand sports? How many times does the defense win? How many times does the defense score? Rarely, rarely, rarely. Now, because what, what happens is, is, is sometimes we go, well, we got to defend, 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 defend. Well, I'm telling you, God will do that for you. It's because it's how, when you live it out, and that's how God's working in your life, and, and, and people are going to see how you have changed. People are going to know that, hey, there's God that's active in this person's life. They'll see them, they'll know it. All right, back, back to the scripture. They say, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Still bringing him honor, but saying, God will deliver us from you and from the fire. Statement of confidence. A lot of times we feel those statements of confidence. We feel faith rising up in our hearts, and we make a statement of confidence. I'm like, wow, did I just say that? Yes, I did. And then I love the next part. Because this is just flat out amazing. And this is where a lot of people forget that faith is involved in all of this. Because the next statement they say is this. But even if he does not deliver us from the fire and deliver us from your hand, even if things go south for us, (laughs) we want you to know your majesty we will not serve your gods, nor are we going to worship the image of gold that you have set up. That's what I call faith in the fire. See, faith in the fire is this. It's really three things. Faith in the fire believes that God can. Faith in the fire expects that God will. And faith in the fire trusts God even if he doesn't. That's legit real faith. Because most people, they will end up with, the, with the, the, the first one. Maybe some people will just start with the first one. I believe God can, but they won't well, expect God will. But, but then maybe you're, you, can, you can get to this point where I'm going to expect that God will. But I'm telling you, most American Christian faith ends right there. Because when God doesn't do what you had faith that you thought he was going to do, then you say, where's God? Forget it. I'm throwing this in the trash. And I'm telling you, as a pastor, I deal with it all the time. Guys, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. God is not your genie. We trust God even if he doesn't. 
God is able, he's competent, he's faithful, and he's willing. And, and, and even if he doesn't step in, we will not bow. I don't know if you, we need to get some, a little bit of attitude about our faith in God. I'm not talking about arrogance, but just a little bit of attitude. And, you know, and stop searching for a faith that's only going to keep you from the fire and start racing to God who will be with you in the fire. That's where you say, God, even if I don't get the job, my faith is not conditional upon God's response. See, faith in the fire is focused on God's faithfulness. And there's a huge difference between believing in God and believing God. See, believing in God is like this mental ascent. It's this cognitive decision that God exists. Now, that, my friend, is not faith. That's just common sense, okay? See, see, faith, what it is, it is simply believing God. I believe God. That's why we say, God, Lord, heal my father of cancer. But even if you don't, I'm still going to worship you. That's faith in the fire. God, I need a financial miracle, but even if I lose my house, you'll still be my God. I will serve you. That is faith in the fire. Back to the scripture, back to the story. Verse 19 of Daniel. Uh, It says, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. See, because he was open. He was trying to pull them in. But now he flipped the switch on this crazy, off-the-charts lunatic guy, and that was, that's always a bad idea to do that with dictators, all right? And so, so he ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. I'm just going to throw you in. Good luck. Survive. Back in 1985, I was in college. It was a while back, but it was my second year in college, and I was going to Christian University. I wasn't in Dallas, thank God. But, uh, but it was that, that year, as I was preparing really to be a pastor, I, I felt like I wanted to do something. I can't necessarily say God told me to do it, but it's something I wanted to do. It's just something I just, I, I, I want to do this because I, I want to be really radical in my faith. And so I made a commitment, and I told my roommate about it. He's my best friend, my roommate, who also pastors here in the Metroplex today. I said, I, I'm going to, this year, 1985, I'm going to give a double tithe. That means 20% of all the money that I make, I'm going to give to God and God's work. I'm, I'm going to give it all. And, and, and I'm going to do that, and that's going to be my minimum. And I added it up, and it would be really tough. See, because I was working a full-time job, but I was also going to school full-time, and I didn't receive any support or help from my parents. That was before we had credit cards. <laughs> students didn't have credit cards in those days, just to let you know. If they did, they were very special students. But, but we, we did, I didn't have credit cards, and I was, I was the, the type, you know, I would be way too ashamed to ask a friend to borrow money. There's just no way I would do that. And so what I did, I just do this, made this intentional effort to step out in faith. And I, I was three months into this, and I'll tell you, it was lean, and it was very, very tight. I still had to pay my school bills and, and all of this. And then I hit this one week, and I had five days until payday, and I was out of gas in my car. I had to go to work, 
I, I figured out then a plan. Well, I, since I have no money, I can walk to work. And I figured out the time frames on that, what that would actually take. And, and then I realized I needed to pack food for work, but I couldn't afford to buy food. And that was before you had like these cool little meal plans at school. So I was thinking, well, I'd have to go to the cafeteria and sneak food out, which is against the rules. But I think I can do that. I was trying to figure out ways to do it. And, and, and I worked these eight to 10 hour shifts at, at work. And most of the time it was at night. And, and, and it, it got a little complex. So I thought, I, I, I just, I prayed. I said, God, if I only had 20 bucks, I think I could make it through this week until payday. I just need to put a little bit of gas in my car. And I was drove, I had drove a Mustang with a 5.0. And I'm just telling you, I had that thing so revved up, it got eight miles per gallon. So it's not going to go, it's not going to do very much at all. So it was a Sunday afternoon. I'd come back from church and I had given my offering. I was, I was out of money. There was zero, there was nothing left. And and, and so I was going through the dorm room, and, and some of you heard the story. I was, I was just cleaning up the dorm room, and I was just praying, okay, God, I'm, my faith is in you, my trust is in you. I know I don't get paid till, till Friday, and well, we've got to do what i got to do, and I don't get paid till Friday at 5, which means you can't deposit the check. You really don't even get it till the next week. So back in those days. So I, I, I took the trash, and I, I loaded up all the trash in the, in the uh, dorm room, and I, I went to take it out to this barrel that was at the end of the hall. And... I went out to put it in the barrel, and just before I dumped the trash in, I, I noticed there were two, I mean, crisp, as if they've never been folded or touched, $20 bills laying on top of the trash, just like, perfect. It was freaky. It's one of those moments you get a rush. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, and, and what I did, is I looked around. I'm like, okay. Yeah, first of all, I don't want to be seen reaching into the trash. Okay, that, that would be wrong. That would just it wouldn't look right. It would ruin my image or whatever. And so if I looked around, nobody was around. Nobody was looking. And I, I thought, there's stinking money in the trash. I'm getting ready to dump my trash on top of the other. And that's not trash. And so, so I reached in there and grabbed, the, two, grabbed the, the 220s and put it in my pocket. I was like, well, one person's trash is another person's treasure. And I'm just, well, but I'm telling you, that's how I lived out faith in the fire. I know it may not be anything like what they were facing in the Bible, but God will also many times use trash situations to show his love for you. And if you're in the fire right now, the same God that delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through the fire will deliver you through the fire. And if he doesn't deliver you out of the fire, he will be with you in the fire. Take a look at this. This is amazing. Daniel 3, verse 21. Let's follow along with the story. It says, so these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, you know, Middle Eastern, they still do that out there. They were bound. We don't dress like that. And they were thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urge, urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Bad situation. I mean, it killed the guards. That's how hot this was. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, he said, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? He replied, certainly, your majesty. And he said, look, so obviously there's a way to see into this thing. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. 
In fact, every Bible study theologian person says this is what's called, this is a nice little term, it's called a theophany, which is a, a manifestation of Jesus before his incarnation, before he was born. Jesus was with them in the fire. He even identifies him as one that looks like the son of the gods. Could you imagine that? So here is this one that is just brilliant. This is incredible. And they're walking around in the fire. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, okay, look at this. And so, so they replied, certainly, your majesty. And... He Okay, he goes on. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace, and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. He couldn't go in and get them. He didn't want to get burned. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Interestingly, they were called out of the, they were protected in the fire by Jesus, but they were called out of the fire by their adversary. You just never know. Those who are against you just all of a sudden might all of a sudden be on your side. Look at this. Look at this. This is amazing. (laughs) So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, and the royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. The robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent this, his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him. This is the king saying this, an ungodly king. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, this is the thing about absolute dictators. They just change the law. So, therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut to pieces, and their houses turned into piles of rubble for... No other God can save in this way. You see, what's amazing here is that God gets in the middle of this and he turns the whole table around. Any godless person is now able to see and understand the power of God because it's happening right in front of their eyes and God will do that for you. So what about you? Are you in a fiery trial? He's with you. And the hotter it gets, the closer he is to you. Peter wrote these words. This is one of Jesus' close disciples. He said, in this, in all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to come to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. Some of you may. But these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even the refined by the fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ is revealed. In other words, if you're in the middle of a trial, God is still going to show up, and he's going to reveal himself not just to you but to people around you. So he's with you in the fire, even if he doesn't bring you out of the fire. So today I want to ask you, are you caving to the music? 
Are you caving to the music? It's interesting because Nebuchadnezzar did not ask them to bow down and worship the image instead of worshiping God. In fact, he told them to do this in addition to worshiping God. In our Fort Worth, Texas culture as it stands today, you will probably not be uh, put under the pressure to renounce your faith in God or be killed like our brothers and sisters in northern Iraq are facing today. And any time you turn to anything, though, other than Jesus Christ for your ultimate fulfillment and ultimate satisfaction, you are effectively turning away from Jesus because it involves turning. It involves turning. And if you turn to something other than Jesus, you are turning your back on Jesus. You say, Pastor, but that's strong. Well, that's, it's truth, though, because, because God can't be like one God among many. You can't serve God and serve money. You can't serve God and serve popularity. You can't serve God and serve lust. You can't serve God and serve offense. You can't serve God and serve comfort. So if the music plays and you begin to compromise your values, what happens is your faith stops. You'll end up dry. You'll end up separated from God and disappointed and everyone around you, you'll be disappointed in everything around you. You'll be disappointed in God himself. Why? Because your faith is gone. I want you to lay hold of real faith, faith in the fire. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians. Paul wrote these words, former religious thug-turned-Christian. He said, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith and test yourselves. Test yourselves. This is a little story. It's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And the story very quickly is this. It's about two men that built houses. And one was built on a solid foundation. Another was built on a sand foundation. And, and uh, one was wise and one was foolish. And these rainstorms came. The streams rose and the winds blew. And the, hand, the, the house that was built on the sand collapsed. But the house that was built on the solid foundation, it stood and it stayed there. And Jesus, what he said was, the person who actually does what I say you are like the one who's building his house on the solid foundation because storms are going to come. What's going to happen to your life and your situation when the storms come? So we build on a strong foundation. That's what we want to do. We want to examine our foundation. We want to test ourselves and look and see what's here. Guys, I'm asking you, will you look at your life? Look at your foundation. Are you, are you bowing down to idols? Are you putting your faith in money or you put your faith in your spouse you put your faith in your children or your career are you putting your faith in your property or your possessions are you putting your faith in your status or even putting your faith on how many friends you have on facebook or how many twitter followers you have i'm telling you if you're doing that you're putting your faith in the wrong place because storms will come and when they come everything's going to collapse and i don't want that for you so today i ask you to do what the bible says which is a self-exam Here's the question. Do I believe in God or do I believe God? So we need to pray. We need to pray and consider that. I want you to just lock yourself in with God right now. God, God, God. God, I want to bow to you. 
God, give me faith. God, I, I want to believe. God, help me believe. I want to have faith in the fire, God. I want to build my life on you. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, if you are not in a right relationship with Jesus, then you now have the opportunity to make things right with him. We're going to pray. I have you pray with me and in doing so, receive Jesus into your life. This is a huge first step. Have faith in Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, now is the moment to walk into your future of having not just faith or believing in God, but believing need Jesus and want to make things right with him, would you just lift your hand for me because I want to pray with you as I pray this prayer. Just, just lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. Yeah. Who else? I need Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, let's pray this. Pray with me right now. Everyone, just pray with me. God, I ask you to wash me in your precious blood. Forgive me of my sin make me new. Make me a new creation. Take away the old and replace it with the new. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing this song one last time. Give me faith. I want you to make it the cry of your heart so that you will have faith in the fire. Come on, let's sing together. Will you stand?